Blog Talk Radio. On the chilling Panisha Seams and things like that from Jacksonville, North Kakalaki down to Jacksonville, Florida. How honored to do today. This should be Queen Quet, head from the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad it is. Honored to tune in one more again to We Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. This should be We Show Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. So glad the hundred children done yam for all them bought and thing like a daddy and could have make them back in the same for Yeti we broadcast and thing like a daddy. Where we quite crack we teeth but to call a gitchy root and fruit. This is about the family this evening. So we're so glad that some of the family done dear back home and thing like a daddy is done make them back safe and they hunter had this time for tuning from around the world for giant week. We're so glad to hear at the Go to Get You Sea Island Coalition with a sponsorship program where Hunter Children can always find we at net, And we're so glad that so much of Hunter Children that joined me and become members this year and things like that. And I start off the new membership and things like that for the 2014. So we're so glad to see them for one more again. Key upliftment to the living legacy and the ancestral homage. So this year evening, we're dedicated to this program. 
to all Big Daddy Mama them, all the Big Daddy them, will be done quiet and cross over. All them will be done making crossing from Nisha Shore and things like that. With no sin, we don't believe the water will bring with you, the water will take you back. So we pray, see, the soul done care back on the God and honor the rest peacefully. This evening, we dedicate this program to all the ancestors them who are welcome to this land. Who then a kind cross through this thing called the Bill Passage. And we will give honor to them so and praise the rest. This your whole day season. Then we give this your moment of silence. Amen. Ashe. We're so glad one more again for Via. And be so close. The 90,100 children were yet with we to do for this show broadcast and things like that. And Hunter not just stay there live, but Hunter to download this show thing from we archive. So we want to say God bless Hunter children, yeah. And for plenty of Hunter children, if this is your first time to Yeti we and things like that, you can go on your honor to blogtalkradio.com slash gullagichi. That is G U L L A H G E E C H E E. All right, and then Hunter Chillin can hear something all the broadcasts and things like that and download them and things like that. Or rather, what's going on under the iTunes and download them for free for nothing to all talk. Anchor costs on a nothing shiny thing and things like that. And we know it's this your time of year. So much of shopping and going on and things like that. And plenty of feeling love for Yeti something where you ain't going to call some nothing to all talk. You can always go out on it to gullygeechynation.com and click on the link from the top of the page and look at all of the showing things we've been going on. And right away, click the Gullygeechy Rhythm Radio link and see some of the other ones of paperwork and things will go with some of the show. Now, all these ideas coming up from now to the coalition anniversary from the 21st. When I can start to see page and things from the blog, when we're to put on there about different things, what we've done, been from this program, done been from Gullah Gitchi TV, and done the deep heart of what going on here in the Gullah Gitchi Nation and with we family, especially when we're the crack we teeth, banana thing like that. And when I children know, say we always use this word, Sankofa. Redowas, in the Caribbean, you get it, say, go back and fetch it. And yeah, in the Gullah Gitchi Nation, Phoenicia, Sea Island, one of the years we say, if one ain't know where one of the day from, one ain't going to know where one of the guy. So, this your time I hear, my elders them, who would done cross over, and how my priest is so dear at peace. Because they have so much a chilling in the back of you. He crack it down. Seem like they don't stand with family to tell this your brother has to get killed every November, and then when they're on him, and they get it together for that. Or, when they get it together, for now, for more things, and drink up a thing like that, coming up in the next couple of weeks for this year, Christmas Day, and thing like that, and right was New Year's, you know how y'all like. So, we're going to study for this year thing, when it coming into this year time of year, what show we going to do for you? And the thing coming to me so clear, when I've been there in the Gullah Gitche Al-Kibulana archives, you see, you need to look for the family, and then look from the root to the fruit. So that's what we to do this season. We will crack we teeth, but go to get your family and wait up. Wait then, how he get you, how to hold upon them, and for all the rest of children, we deal to look on this your thing called your genealogy. This your time for her to tune in and get me. He going to share plenty of things from the Gullah Geechee Al-Kibula on archive this evening. Because sometimes, like a prince say, sometimes the words of another seem to work out fine. 
And so this evening I'm going to speak this way so that you all under and understand the writings I'm reading because these pieces that I'm going to share from the Gullah Geechee Al-Kabulan archive tonight are written in English. So I'm going to read them to you from the pages as they stand. But I'm going to read them in sequence of how they connected for me today as I prepared for the show when we start talking about Gullah Geechee family, the root and the fruit. The firmest foundation and building block for society is the basic unity of the family. And therefore, one of the greatest strengths of black culture and any other culture in the world is the strong bond of family. A black family is there for each other through thick and thin, regardless of the transgression or situation. They have each other's back unconditionally. This has been the traditional black family as I have known it growing up in a black world and it has really proven to be the greatest asset and power of black people, that coupled with a deep and strongly rooted faith in God and the supreme power of his almighty hands. Now that comes from the writing of Lynn Markovich Bryant. Now listen to this. Attempt to connect present conditions with the African past. This is not because Negro Americans are Africans or can trace an unbroken social history from Africa, but because there is a distinct nexus between Africa and America, which through broken and perverted, though broken and perverted, is nevertheless not to be neglected by the careful student. This is from W.E.B. Du Bois in 1908. But here, Niara Sudar in 1980, writes, the issue that requires clarification in studies of African-American and Afro-American family structure concerns the principles upon which these families are organized. The implications of the operations of the principle of consanguinity in relation to that of conjugality must be fully explored before the dynamics of Afro-American families can be appreciated and their similarities to African families and differences from Euro-American families fully understood. In the rural communities of South Carolina, Sea Islands, African Americans known by their African-derived ethnic designations, Gullah and Geechee, have traditionally maintained three multi-generational domestic groups whose members co-reside in compounds, i.e. clusters of contiguous or adjacent households. Each domestic group, moreover, is structured around a building block, nucleus, or core compound. All right? The Sea Islanders, therefore, may be characterized as having localized extended families. A contrasting phenomenon may be observed among the highly urbanized Euro-Americans from whom the ideal family consists of a married couple and the offspring of that union living in a household apart, although not necessarily isolated, from other kinfolks. In other words, for urban European Americans, the family is based on conjugal, marital bonding rather than consanguineal bonding as in African-American Sea Island communities. And while the normative domestic group of these rural African-American families contrasts with that of urban European-American extended family life in the Sea Islands, bears a remarkable resemblance to extended family among 
Dominican peoples and the extended family life in Sea Islands bears a remarkable resemblance to extended families among African peoples in Africa, the Caribbean, Central America, South America, and various parts of North America. All right? So now we have these words now when someone is looking at family life or Wamala. This is Bamadele. Agabasevi, Demerson, that makes this statement, all right? Now, notice they go on to say, of course, the people of South Carolina and Georgia Sea Islands are regarded by many to be the distinctive because they appear to be somewhat less acculturated, hence more African-like than other sectors of the African population in the United States. Okay, so now, when African people were captured, herded onto ships, and forced to undertake the horrendous middle passage across the Atlantic to become enslaved in the Sea Islands and other areas of the Western Hemisphere, their cultural baggage included, among other things, fundamental principles and values regarding kinship, extended family structure and organization, and a complex set of rights, responsibilities, and behavioral codes attached to age, sex, marital status, and other markers of social differentiation. The differences in the structure and organization of extended families discernible to the ethnographic literature on Africa and the Americas, too, reflect in part how each society, given its unique history, political structure, economic organization, ecological niche, etc., combined and elaborated upon these fundamental structures, principles, and values. So now here we go to the values of my own family the Goodwine family, and pull from this piece to talk about my great-great-great-grandfather. All, as all slaves that were uprooted from their homeland, Africa, John's four parents were forced to accept their fate and flourish in a strange land and continually try to pass on a culture they did not want to forget. The tribal drums they knew and loved previously could no longer be heard. Only a memory of happier times lingered and refused to fade too far into the recesses of their mind. They would not forget their homeland, Africa. Neither would we. And that's written by my aunt. Good one, Johnson. Now here, when you talk about not forgetting, we go up the road a ways, up the river and thing like that. The dish of place in the Gullah Gitche Nation, honey, the year phone called Jai Tong. Outside of that, going a little closer to Florence, so scackalacky and thing, along that Petey River. A dish of place they call Mars Bluff. And it got this time when this man knew with us. Tell his story about how Hingrat had been cracking teeth with him. And so this young way, yet he went to be a Lee boy. Pasa, they come from Africa here. I say, well, how you get across the water? He said, come by boat, boy. I said, come by boat? How long it take you? Six months and a year. How many come on the boat with you? A heap of them, he said. Heap of them. Don't know how many come over. 
I said, when you landed, how you do it? Ship couldn't get close. Got off the ship to a flat built over the water. The ship pulled up there, and that's when they unload them. Long walk on the flat, and they come up in the building. Ship come in at Georgetown. That's where they unload at. And then out there picking out who they want to get. Heap of people there, be there buying. Come over here. Come over here. Come over here. Just like that, and buying them out. He say about three shiploads of them people come over here that he know of. And I said, how long the ship was? He said, well, take most of the day to unload it, because upstairs and downstairs the ship. Way to stop talking, grandfather. Georgetown Dock was where they unloaded them. And the mule and wagon hauled them here, Mars Bluff. Some of them drive the mule and wagon down there and bring them back. When they got where they was going, Pa said the boss would tell him to call him boss and to call the boss's wife, Mrs., call him boss and call the wife, Missy. That's what he tell me. That's the way it is, man. But they let you know in African Americans at Mars Bluff, South Carolina, by Amelia Wallace Vernon, that this account of Africans' arrival into Georgetown was not the typical arrival because most African people that were enslaved in what is now the Gullah Geechee Nation from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, actually entered through Charleston, South Carolina, Charlestown at that time, and through, in particular, Sullivan's Island, where I was in Stool, where over 40% of all Africans enslaved in North America came through. Now, the Gullah Geechee diaspora, those of you who are regular listeners to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio, regular viewers of Gullah Geechee TV, you know that there are Gullah Geechees that are in Oklahoma, that are in Texas, that are in the Bahamas, that are all a part of the Gullah Geechee diaspora that was extended out during the 17 to 1800s at various times of upheaval. And so... I could not discuss Gullah Geechee family's roots and its fruits and leave out any aspect of our story as it relates to the indigenous ancestry and the combined ancestry of Africans and indigenous Americans. Kusavo, the Cree, the Yemisee, the Adish, that blended in with Ibo, Mandinka, Malinke, Yoruba, Gola, Gizi, Mendi, Temni, Fiki, Bibio, and so many other ethnic groups to then become known as either Gullah Geechee or become known as Seminole or become known as Black Seminole or become known as Afro-Seminole or become known as Muscogo. So I pulled from our youth collection of the Gullah Geechee Alkebulan archive to recount this. Alice Faye Lozano, recently visited the ranch where she was born in a little town of Nacimiento in Cujila, Mexico. Her great-grandmother Rose and her family lived on this ranch in the foothills of the Sierra Madre. Rose lived to be 90 years old, and Alice remembers her very well, even that her favorite color was blue. Sometimes on a clear night, they would sit out under the stars, Rose would tell Alice stories about her people, the black Seminoles, and their trips to find freedom. 
Alice was only about nine years old then and very curious about her family's history. Rose would hug Alice and tell her about the trip from Indian Territory through Texas to Mexico to escape slavery. Rose would wring her hands and tell the young Alice, Oh, baby, if you went through what we went through, you would cry too. Similarly, Rose's mother, Tina, had cried and told Rose about another trip called the Trail of Tears on which the black Seminoles and many others had traveled from Florida to Indian Territory. Rose had been just a little girl of five on that trip and didn't remember much. Alice tells Tina and Rose's stories because she is proud of the black Seminoles and wants us to know what they went through in their fight for freedom. A long time ago, Rose and Bob's ancestors were brought from the continent of Africa to work as slaves on South Carolina and Georgia plantations. These slaves were called the Gullah people because they spoke a distinct Creole language and had their own unique tradition. In desperation, many Gullah people ran away from their owners. Some made their way to Florida because it was owned by Spain and did not tolerate slavery. There they were sheltered from slave hunters by the Seminole Indians. The blacks built homes, chose their own leaders, and had weapons to protect themselves. They were good farmers, and they provided the Seminole Indian chiefs with corn and other crops. They also married Seminole Indians and raised families. Some looked Indian, and some looked black. The black Seminoles and the Seminole Indians lived peacefully until the U.S. government took Florida from Spain and decided the Seminoles' land was needed for new settlers coming to the area. Many of the Seminole Indians and black Seminoles felt their only choice was to fight back. These battles were called the Indian or Seminole Wars, and I might note these are also called the Gullah Wars. So many of you who are on the Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page, y'all will find the Gullah Wars. If you go to YouTube, you'll find the Gullah Wars on there and also at our Gullah Geechee TV channel, G-U-L-L-A-H. G-E-E-C-H-E-E dot TV or go to YouTube and subscribe to Gullah Geechee TV and you will be able to see this documentary, this brief, very brief documentary called The Gullah Wars. This piece comes from a book called My Black Seminole Ancestors Running to Freedom by Alice Faye Lozano and Shirley Fortlayer Mock. The interesting thing is although there were those who took the seeds of the Gullah Geechee Nation elsewhere, there were many that continued to plant these seeds of family and family freedom and to fight for it right here along these waterways where we still live. And so it's always interesting when we hear the stories told by others and we see us depicted in documentaries how many things are left out about the dynamics of family, about the building block of community in the Gullah Geechee Nation, and about what others might call rituals and activities and events that we did that kept us together, that kept you learning about who you are, who you be, and things like that, who one of belongs to, and things like that. Over the years at the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, we've gotten many requests, and now we get those requests on Twitter, and we're at Gullah Geechee on Twitter, and we get those requests weekly on Facebook now for those who are seeking their roots and trying to figure out whether or not they are also of Gullah Geechee ancestry. 
some of the way to find that out would be to participate in some of these family gatherings, not just at Thanksgiving, not just at Christmas time, but to participate with family throughout the year and to be able to sit amongst them. And even if you say, well, I was adopted or my family moved away to other cities so long ago, I don't really know the family. You'll be surprised when you come in and drop a few names who will remember and which cousin will take you up under their wing and at least get you reconnected enough that you can start to know a little bit about who you are. But you have to recognize that there are traditions that always existed amongst us that kept us together, kept our sanity, kept us building that extended family. Even beyond the blood kin of the family compounds that many Gullah Geechee still live in today and that you see us fighting for the land and fighting to have this Gullah Geechee land and legacy fund to pay money, to have the legal stand and to have the taxes paid for families to still live on land where they can harvest their own food, they can raise their own livestock, and they can pass down their traditions. So we still have extended family beyond that. Any Gullah Geechee will tell you, Folks they graduated with and they graduate in class, that's a family. Folks that they're in a praise house with, that's a family. Folks they're in a particular church with, that's a family. Or a mosque with, that's a family. So we have various other concentric circles and over-interlapping circles that constitute family within the Gullah Geechee Nation again. And that just makes the matter even more complex when you already have an extended family of 100 150 people in a family compound in a lot of instances, especially during some of these holiday or holiday times. But interestingly enough, when we talk about black genealogy, like the title of a book by Charles L. Bloxon, where you talk about tracing your roots, or you have a title like Finding a Place Called Home that was written by D. Palmer Wooter, that you can go out and you can also purchase as a guide to African-American genealogy and historical identity. Note that historical identity is critical to reconnecting with family. So if you cannot participate anymore within rites, rituals, interactive activities, shall we call them, with the family in a way that people connect to you, that disconnection, that separation, is likely to remain. Now, you might say, well, I'm not a big social person or I'm not very outgoing. Well, you don't have to necessarily be if your spirit is outgoing. People will enter in. But if it's not, that's going to be a little bit of a problem. All right? So it's interesting when I started to look at, in those days, African-American life near the Savannah River by Shane Kane and Richard Keaton, that they started talking about something that, we all talk about in the Gullah Geechee Nation, have a hot supper. It's especially memorable from the late 1800s and early 1900s with dances, sometimes called hot suppers. W.T. Smith remembered, quote, I used to hear my daddy tell about hot suppers. He used to talk about it. Every day he'd talk about hot suppers. Colored folks used to go down, nice time they had, and talk about folks, end quote. Phoebe Terman said that her relatives also went to the dances, which were usually held in the fall. Didn't have them in the summertime. Revival was in the summertime. The hot supper was when the weather got cold. That's when they, the men, had a little money, you know. When they started to sell their cotton, had a little money to treat the girls. The hot suppers could last all night. 
especially if they were being held on the weekend, and if anybody had it, everyone had finished the farm chores. Men often paid for the privilege of dancing with the ladies of their choice at the gathering. Boys paid the girls to dance with them, Phoebe Terman explained. Hot supper, where he'd get him a partner, and he would pay that partner to dance with him, maybe a quarter or something like that, enough to buy a custard pie or cake. As the time passed, Terman explained, the gatherings became known by different names. Some folks call them hot suppers, some call them plays. Later on, they went to calling them plays because they played all night. Coming on down, they wouldn't say hot suppers. One lady went to a hot supper and said, that was the coolest hot supper I ever had. The food was what Jim Presley remembered when he thought of hot suppers. Saturday night, they had all kinds of things, cooking beef, fried fish, things like that. Often the festivities were held in a tenant farmhouse, according to Minnie Walker, who fondly remembered the dances. My husband, baby's sister, before she died, used to have supper. Me and my sister be down there dancing. Sometimes Mama went to the store and bought us some shoes, went right round there and danced, went back home with holes in them. Lord, if Mama didn't get us, we used to dance, and everybody want to dance with me and my sister. Walker remembered the sponsors at the hot suppers sold food to the men for their dancing partners. He danced with me all right. When the dance is over, I go over that table and pick out what I want, and he pay for it. Both Walker and Thurman recalled the same musician providing the toe-tapping music at the dances. All right? Now, interestingly enough, they go into talking about their fathers playing the fiddle, how the father played the fiddle, how all these things, they continue to dance. But you notice the roles of the family. Mama bought us shoes. My sister and I went to the dances. The young men had the money. The young men paid for the ladies to dance with them, but paid for food for the ladies. The ladies went back home. Here it was. They could talk about the dance. Well, why were they safe there? Daddy then was there playing the fiddle. Somebody daddy know playing the fiddle. So you have the family involved and engaged in all of these activities that later, just like the way they said these hot suffers names changed over the years, we had the same thing where community changed. People would say, you know, these folks would not, unless the anthropologists call these rituals, but these are the things that set up our society, shall we say, set up community here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. And many have heard me say over many generations now that for me the word community is common unity. It unifies you that which you have in common. So when we talk about where these folks were having these dances and this money that they had, and they talked about the tenant houses there along the Savannah River, those were folks who were farming, obviously, for other people when we start talking about tenant farming. And the closer that many Gullah Geechee families migrated toward urban centers like Savannah, like Charleston, like later Georgetown, Port Wilmington, North Carolina's port, and with tonight, please make sure that you look up Wilmington on Fire, Wilmington on Fire on both Twitter and on Facebook, or you can just look it up on Google because they are doing another 
big fundraiser tonight for the documentary Wilmington on Fire. And so you'll also see on the Gullah Geechee Facebook fan page that we'll be posting about that and posting some clips where we talked about the independence of people of African descent during Reconstruction in the early 1900s, which then led into the Jim Crow era and the lynchings and the burning downs. Like people will recall the film Rosewood and how that city was destroyed, how that township was destroyed. You'll recall Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but there were Black Wall Streets and all of these little townships and urbanized areas where black folk migrated to to look for work or look for more rapid improvement for their families. Many times the men would go off from home, and they would go and find work and then send the money back. Some of them came back. Many of them didn't. If they married some woman or something, they went on about their business, you ain't find them all. Or they took to the streets of the city, you ain't hear nothing else from them. Until the body came home or someone said, wonder whatever happened to so-and-so. You had many women who then would end up in urban areas as living would live in other people's houses and then make money taking care of other people's children or cleaning those houses and then sending that money back. Why? For the family. So that the family back in the family compound could not only have food and additional clothing for the young churn with data and things like that, but also so that they could pay the land taxes. So now when we talk about those land taxes, then we go into heirs' property discussions. You can only be an heir if you're a family member. By law, you have to be blood-related to be an heir of ownership to land that is what is the family compound or heir's property in the Gullah Geechee Nation. People will sell out their interests as an heir and cause other things like forced partition sales. But in all actuality, heir's property was set there by our ancestors like mine, John, that was written of and spoken of earlier because they expected their heirs to have land in perpetuity in order for them to raise their families on in perpetuity, to be able to feed their families from in perpetuity, and to go out on a Tunisia River and take what they're wrong them, forget a meal and things like that together. Because C-100, the type of food we're going to get you nation, you can't have a way of Nampa until somebody go on and get the thing for Nampa. How you the going on? I'm going to have a make this your net. I'm going to have to make a battle. Hunter gonna have to know how to navigate this shabato out there in the water. Then we hunter to go on yon in the water. Hunter have to know what hunter to catch. Hunter ain't gonna bring all kind of things back. Dry long soap. Hunter have to know what that Then hunter to grade them out and things like that. And then carrying what is a good thing. Then we hunter to feed people. You know, feed two or three or four because they're different hunter porch. Hunter might have that 25 head for share this thing up with. Because again, the extended family can be your family compound or it can be the connection point between multiple family compounds on land that was still a plantation in the past but now is all owned literally by deed by these Gullah Geechis, where one family is connected with the other family whether through marriage or through birth they have the same bloodline and they definitely have the same traditions they have the same culture now a very interesting piece that's one of the final works that I want to read from tonight has a title that I always love. It's, and I'm glad. And the reason I say it that for last is because I am glad to know that we can identify still the Gullah Geechee family through much of what I'm about to read to you now. 
They say, the uneducated people here speak Gullah. The language of the people has changed according to their education. When they were not so educated, they lived according to tribal law. They were ruled by a leader who had scarcely any language at all, just some kind of strange, funny talk. Yet still, they were ruled by that. If you were a leader, you would have a dozen or maybe 20 followers, and you would look out for them and care for them. The people here lived that way until they got a little bit of education. After they got some education, they still tried to be nice, but they didn't pull together anymore. They separated themselves according to education. An educated man would have very little to do with a person who speaks Gullah, a man who speaks some kind of strange language, funny talk like I do. He laughs at a person like that and names him by kinds of names. The English-speaking people and the Gullah-speaking people have separated themselves more and more. Though some of the young people even go to school for years now and don't speak good English. If a child is raised in a home that speaks clear English, that child will speak clear English. And he doesn't get it from any school. A child who speaks Gullah comes out of a home that speaks Gullah. The gullery is in that child, and he has trouble getting better. He just really can't do it. It's the home he has come out of, his environment. He comes from gullery stock, just as the one who speaks clear, plain English, comes from plain English stock. When I was young, I didn't speak gullery so much. But when I was about 20 years old, I came back from working in Florida and caught whooping calls. I nearly died, and when I came back to myself, my larynx was weak. I couldn't talk straight since. The only thing I could speak was gullah. I was weak, and I couldn't make any long sounds, just short. I've been speaking with some gullah ever since then. If you get the full gullah, it's a song language. That's the deep gullah. It's a song language and not a deaf language like English. To speak of a song language doesn't mean exactly just the words alone. But when he has once spoken them, he really couldn't have said it any better. If you catch the song, you can tell exactly what he means. God bless you there. That's from Elder Sam Gadsden from a book that was transcribed by Nick Lindsay of Edisto Island. And that has beautiful photographs by Julia Cart. And the book is called, And I'm So Glad, in All History of Edisto Island. But this all history could be of any part of the Gullah Geechee Nation. The separation between people starting to come because someone from the outside came in and said, we're going to educate your children. So now because good parents want their children to have better lives than the lives that the parents even have, even a multimillionaire would like for their child to be a billionaire. So Gullah Geechee parents were no different. Our elders, our ancestors were no different. They always wanted us to have a little more, do a little better. Any good one now wanted you to have a little more and do a little better, but never forget where you come from. So they wanted you to under and understand that when you go out there and get your education, you go out there and work, you share that with somebody else. You take care of your family. You take care of the ones you're born into, you take care of the one you're married into. If you ain't going to take care of the one you're married into, don't get married. And so family is that cornerstone that 
Now community gets built on and around the foundation, as we heard in the beginning from Lynn Mark of Bryant's work, is faith. So here it is that we have had faith over generations in the Gullah Geechee Nation that God would protect and keep our families, keep us together, and especially keep me from this your land and things like that. Make sure everybody be had what you need. Make sure it's happening for now. Fun. Make sure it ain't calling in that time and things like that. Make sure it got him belly full. Make sure he ain't right mind. Clothes ain't right mind. They want your body to be covered with clothing, but they wanted your mind to be clothed and be level. They wanted you to be stable, not only financially, but emotionally and mentally. The thing about Gullah Geechee roots is that it came out of hardship. It came out of a crime against humanity, the snatching, the kidnapping, the raping, the pillaging of the motherland that then cast out her placenta, her blood, her sweat, her tears on other lands in the Caribbean or the Caribbean and upon these islands called the Sea Islands. But from within that blood, her heartbeat continued. Our heartbeat continues and keeps us interlinked and in syncopation with one another. When we talk about Gullah being a song, that song, those words you hear come out, are always over that polyrhythmic syncopated beat of our hearts, keeps us in time with one another that you can be in the biggest city there is and see somebody on a train or on a bus and go, excuse me, on a day from up here, on a day from down south. And that person might look over their shoulder a couple of times and say, no, I'm from Charleston, I'm from Buford, I'm from Georgetown. Where you from? How you know I ain't been from you? And here it is. You end up connecting again to the Gullah Geechee family reconnecting the entire Gullah Geechee diaspora, continuing the compound, and compounding our love, our strength, and as our film says, our will to survive. So we talk today about these activities that go on, these rituals, these traditions that we live out each and every year, they're not just constituted in the context of the Western world or in the way that the European-American commemorates and celebrates Thanksgiving. For us, every day is a day to give thanks that you could still be an African person in your right mind after having your ancestors, your elders, and your family go through the hardships of discrimination, racism, neglect, all of these things that have gone on and to still yet fight through being discriminated against. That's something to give thanks for if you right now are listening and you got the cognitive order still that you overstand and understand all of what's being said. Then to go into a time where we celebrate the coming of the light that is called Christmas time. I call all of this the holy days season. Because we have Hanukkah and we have Christmas and we have Kwanzaa, we have New Year, even though Kwanzaa is not a religious holiday. All of this is time to celebrate harvest and abundance of family. Because black family is something that's been under attack for hundreds and hundreds of years. 
on the continent has been under attack by different ethnic groups attacking each other and warring against each other. It then got furthered when the European came from their continent to the motherland and then attacked and then bought off and taught people that their family wasn't worth more than whatever dollars and trinkets and other things and guns and rum and things of that nature that they could get cloth bangles that they could get. So now, although you got skin folk, they ain't kin folk to you. So you auction them up. You sell them. To me, I see no difference in that today when family members refuse to help other family members pay taxes on heirs' property that was left for the future generations, which is us today, to live on together, to have an asset be left to you after our ancestors literally died for the land that we can sit around so proudly and talk about we own it. Well, we need to recognize all that went into it and how much different it is when Gullah Geechee tells the story of land ownership than when an Anglo person tells the story of land ownership. Think about it. When you sell the land, picture the faces that are being sold along with it. You put them back on the auction block. When you refuse to pay the taxes, the land gets auctioned. Sound familiar? Think of those chains rattling going up that auction block. Think of those people on that long planked out boat in the middle of the water that took all day to be unloaded for then the people to be distributed into Mars Bluff, into Florence, into Georgetown, into the rice field, into the Carolina gold, into the indigo, into the cotton. Think about that cotton being called king and ruling over you because of its value, because it's a commodity. But then think about how we had queen mothers, how we had mothers of the church, how we now have family running amok and not regarding the handle on people's name, much less the authority God has birthed them here to have the purpose to live out and carry out for the family and for the community. So we got to get back to old landmark, as Papa used to tell me, God bless the dead, where we respect our family. We respect the compound. We respect the household, and we respect the land. If we nurture the land, the land will nurture us. Because we've given up nurturing the land, the land is receding. It's disappearing right before us. It's not protecting us anymore. The storms are coming in closer. They're getting to us because we didn't nurture that which nurtured us, that fed us, gave us things to us. As I always say to people, the waterway is our bloodline and the land is our family. Punish your land. We're so glad you still got plenty of family and things like that. Who be going to get you? And it's going to know. We be Galagichi, anointed people. And we thank God this your season for family and for the root of who we be down here. And rather what? For the fruit where they're coming forward. So that they don't understand who we are. And who the whole upon the culture and things like that. Who the look back. So we can't stand where they're going. Then what no say, emphasis I can't stand up right long. 
And I look for, where do you fit in? It was the whore. How for whore them up? How for going back into the creek? How for going back into the field? How for but the baby? How for check the baby? How for whore from one another? We thank God for this shit, That made a live for see this shit. Because plenty could have come long later. And we the make up memorial and things like that. It could have had your queen quit deal with deal across the country. Coming to big celebration. For land and for family and for go to get your culture and things like that. But I'm so glad. Damn one another. And my mama tell me. On standing. The greatest thing in the world. And that's why my favorite proverb. Is wisdom. Is the principal thing. So get wisdom. But in all thy getting, get understanding. And so I pray tonight that all of you have under and overstood these words that I've shared with you from the Gullah Geechee Al-Kibulan archive. Many of these books are not even available for sale. They're not something you'll find on Amazon. A few you can. And I've given you most of the titles tonight, but I saved the title that I first read from intentionally. I read to you from Sea Island Roots tonight as well, but I read to you from I'm Black and I'm Proud, Wished the White Girl, from Lynn Markovitz Bryant, who was adopted into my family, and her sisters and brothers and siblings are blood kin to me. But I'm going to read to you again what she said. The firmest foundation and building block for society is the basic unit of the family. And therefore, one of the greatest strengths of black culture and any other culture in the world is the strong bond of family. A black family is there for each other through thick and thin, regardless of the transgression or situation. They have each other's back unconditionally. This has been the traditional black family as I have known it growing up in a black world. And it has really proven to be the greatest asset and power of black people. So with that being said, I want to open up the phone lines. I've seen a big yes already in the chat room. The others who are in the chat room as guests tonight, I welcome you. And in the future, if you'd like to show up in the chat room and be able to type in your comments and questions, you can always go to Blog Talk Radio and create a profile. You don't have to have a radio show, but you can then create a profile that would at least allow you to access chats and be able to dialogue and writing throughout the broadcast. You can also always email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E. C-O at AOL.com, Gogeeko at AOL.com, which is the email address for the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. And as we talk about land and Gullah Geechee family legacy, we are fighting to continue to hold on to land here. And so the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fund, we are less than $1,000. I think we're around $800 now away from this goal, and we must reach it by the coalition's anniversary, which will be December 21st. So I'm asking you to follow us at, at Gullah Geechee on Twitter and also be friends or fans, rather, on the Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page and make sure to go to the big gold box at the top of the Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page where it says Give and click on there and make a contribution to our fundraiser to please help us meet this goal 
so that we can have the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fund so we can protect the land, which is our family, not just now, but for all the generations to come. And so tonight, if you have things that you want to offer in the chat, please go ahead and put them up. If you want to email them later, we appreciate it. Our phone lines are now open at 347-324-3903, 347-324-3903. I see that I already have a caller. Now I'm just going to click and see if you have something that you wanted to share with us. Good evening, 617-442. How hundred to do? 617-442. How hundred to do? Hi, good night. How are you? Good night. I'm well. How hard to do this evening? <laughs> I am fine. Um, actually, I am so curious and also so interested in the Gullah Geechee language. And my question is whether or not there are any works that are written in that language, and if so, how can I have access to any of them? Gullah, for the most part, is an oral language. So a lot of what you'll find on the market that claims to have been written in Gullah is not written in Gullah. Okay, oh. it was something that now, because Gullah has become marketable again as a commodity and a lot of tourists mm-hmm. want access to our language, then mm-hmm. you have people who are non-Gullah Geechee who have put out products that claim, like one book has on it, learn Gullah in 15 minutes. Look, there have been people married to us 50 years, and they don't speak Gullah, and they can't understand it. So you are not going to learn Gullah in 15 minutes. And a lot of things that are out there saying they're dictionaries or things like that are inaccurate. Mm. The, mm. the best work that has ever been done that has anything to do with our language and largely encapsulates many of the names and what the meanings and the origins of those names are amongst the community and has mm-hmm. some phrases and others in it are the works of Lorenzo Dow Turner. And Lorenzo okay. Dow Turner's thesis was entitled Africanisms in the Gullah Dialect. So that was written back in the 30s. So since then, mm-hmm. linguists have come to understand Gullah is a language and then Geechee is a pidgin or a dialect of the Gullah language. So I would always lead you to Lorenzo Dow Turner's work to look at something okay. in writing. And then okay. in the Gullah Geechee Alke Bulan archives on St. Helena Island, which the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition has, where these books you heard many of them I quoted from tonight, we mm-hmm. have a number of linguistic works that people have done over generations that have you know, written down different phrases, different words, different things, just to, again, compare syntax phonetic structure to, let's say, Caribbean languages or exactly, West African languages. Exactly. Right, That's right. exactly where I was coming from because um, where I'm, are you from, from? I'm from Barbados. I thought so. I thought one of an abasion when I get it on the snow <laughs> and on the yes. first come from the line. Yeah. But from, so, yeah. you know, like from, what I've, from what I've seen, you know, like when I'm on the web. When I'm on Facebook, like the Gullah Geechee website and all that, and when I read what is written there, it is mm-hmm. so similar to when we talk Beijing. It's very, very similar. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, you know that Charlestown was founded by British Lords proprietors who the first sets of Africans that they brought into this region came from Barbados. Yes, They brought yes, those Africans guy, yes, from Barbados instead of Charlestown. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. one of our historians at the University of the West Indies, the Case Hill Campus in Barbados, um, you know, he did he did some research, and you know, they had been talking about that these um, this this Barbados, you know, South Carolina, Carolina connection. connection. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've I've had such an interest in it for a long time. I'm so happy to be talking to you about it. Well, I'm so happy that you definitely <laughs> called in and make sure that you stay tuned. And if you go into iTunes, you can download episodes of this broadcast. And I speak Gullah Pandisha every time you mm-hmm. kind of anything like So you can go and you can download many of the episodes, especially where I've had different guests on who mm-hmm. still speak the language fluently, where mm-hmm. we have a lot of dialogues, and I'm sure if you pay them, play them there and think on need to tree there, plenty of people yeah. there are going to say, oh, who them that? <laughs> who them? <laughs> exactly, who them that? You know, my, yeah. my, 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 great, my great-grandmother, that was a phrase that she used, you know? Oh, say again. Who, yeah, who that? Who that? Who that? Who that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So... For sure, we are, we are so glad that you are tuning in and definitely heal up all the family for you. Yeah? Will do, definitely. All right. Peace and blessings. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have thank a good night. You too. Okay. Okay, thank you. It's, uh, it's so interesting. As soon as I heard her say good night and I said good night back, I knew she didn't mean good night, like you said in America, uh, in the Caribbean. We like to hear, we'll say good morning, good afternoon, good evening. They'll say good night instead of the good evening part many times. And so I already knew this was one of our kinfolk, one of our cousins on the line. So it's always wonderful when we have other folks that are from the other islands recognize and reconnect. And as I mentioned earlier, much of the Gullah Geechee diaspora is even in the Bahamas to this day um, on many of what are called the family islands. And so we have links to the Caribbean or Caribbean in both directions because of transatlantic slave trade bringing people in, but then people escaping on their own and going back, and also people who were involved with trade and worked at the various ports at these different islands. And so, again, when we talk about the Gullah Geechee family, it's global, it's African, it's us. We be Gullah Geechee anointed people. So it has been a blessing tonight to be able to be here once again, to be on the air during this Holy Day season, to be with a countdown to the year about to go out, 2013, but looking forward to 2014 already, and definitely the more blessings that the family can have. And I know that we will gain more and more strength as we keep our family together. And so please, once again, help support the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fund. Let's get that fully funded before December the 20th, and let's support Wilmington on Fire tonight. Let's get that project finished and fully funded today and all with their crowdfund raiser that they're launching tonight, and they got some great posters and other things to show you. And so always stay in touch with us at gullahgeechee.net or email G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com, and you can find me at queenquet, that's Q-U-E-T, dot com, and Hunter Chillin, this year, Hunter can bet, where Hunter look for Queen Quet, that I going always be gladdy. For B, Gullah Geechee. And this year evening, I just want to say to all the Gullah Geechee family, much love to Hona. Many, many blessings. And thank you, thank you. Peace and blessings. Hona must take care of the root to heal the tree. <laughs> 